Do we need a Jocelyn solo B-side directly after having a full-ass episode of just me talking? No, objectively, no. Is that what you're going to get? Yeah. Yes, it is. And here's what I'm talking about. This whole mini episode B-side, whatever you want to call it, whatever I want to call it, is going to be exclusively about a book I'm reading right now that I cannot seem to finish. Like, I want to stop reading it. I actually did stop reading it. Then I started reading it again after reading another book in the hopes that I would have changed my mind about it, I guess. And I have not. And I just, I got to talk about it. So if you're willing to listen, here I am. And if not, I understand. So let's begin. So I am reading, attempting to finish this book. It is called A Court of Thorns and Roses. It is by Sarah J. Mass. Or Moss. I'm not sure. M-A-A-S. Anyway, this book must be huge because I feel like I've been reading it forever because I have. And if you're planning on reading this book, if you've heard about it and you're like, oh, I'm actually really excited to read that book, then stop listening now because I'm just going to, I'm 60% of the way through and I'm going to just say what's been going on because some of it really fucking bothers me. And I don't know if I'm overreacting, so I just really want to get this out and then we'll just see what you guys think. Okay, so... The story is basically a retelling of Beauty and the Beast. And it starts out with this girl. She's hunting. It's cold out. She's got two sisters and a father at home. Her father's kind of an invalid. They used to be rich. And then, like, his ships were lost at sea. He was a merchant. And they lost all their money. So she's really well-educated. She's probably, like, 16 or something, uh, maybe 17, maybe. Anyway, she's like, you know, young, young. She's a minor. So she's out hunting as you do when you're poor and, you know, you need food. And she goes out hunting a lot. And, and a lot of her inner monologue, her name's Fairy, maybe, because it's like F-E-Y-R-E. And that's another thing that bothers me, which we'll get into <laughs> But let's like set up the stage here. So she's hunting um, because she's hunting wolves. Wolves pelts, like their their fur, go for a lot of money. So this is a way to feed her family and also get money for like the selfish things that her sisters want. Her sisters are kind of like, they're very like evil stepsisters uh, vis-a-vis Cinderella. So this is like Beauty and the Beast with Cinderella sisters. And a very checked out father. He's like super depressed or something. He's like not with it at all. So I don't know what fairy tale that would fit in, except for like every single one, because the fathers are always just real pieces of shit somehow. Even when they're trying to be charming, they end up giving their daughters away just so they don't have to be killed. So, you know, problematic. (laughs) Anyway. She does this a lot. She has somehow gotten like a silver arrow at the market or something. She bought herself this one silver arrow. And the the situation there is the silver arrow, I think it's silver. Maybe it's lead. I don't know. I'm not remembering this quite clearly. But the silver arrow can kill a fairy. Now, the fairies are 
a lot of different things. They're not like cute little Tinkerbell characters with wings flitting about, being charming and giving people the power to fly if they think positive thoughts. The fairies used to enslave humans. We'll get to that in a minute, too. Anyway, the dynamic is the fairies used to be in charge. They have magic. They used to enslave humans. And for reasons that I don't clearly remember, that isn't happening anymore. But there's like a border. There's like a part of the world where humans can be and then another part where fairies can be. And the the two shall not cross into the other's territory. Well, sometimes they do. And humans are afraid of fairies because they used to kill them and enslave them. So she carries around, I guess, this silver arrow just in case she has to kill a fairy. Now, they're very hard to kill. They're v- some of them are vicious, like animalistic beings. Some of them are more humanoid looking. Some of them are weird, like trolls. Like a fairy just means a lot of different things. I think it just means like something with magic. So inevitably, a huge ass wolf comes along. And she somehow knows that it's a fairy disguised as a wolf because it's, like, too big. It's too intelligent. She's like, is it a fairy? Because it's also illegal to kill the fairies or something. Like, you're not allowed to. Anyway, she notches her silver arrow and she kills it because she's she's very good with the arrows, you know? That's great for a story, someone who's good with an arrow. So... This character is, like, good with an arrow. I like that. This character, although she is young, is not a virgin. I do not get on board with, like, the virginal peri or, you know, like, I was going to say peripubescent, but, like, I don't even know what that means, and it sounds super creepy coming out of my mouth. So please strike that from your memory. I don't get with this, like, virginal girl young woman, if you will, who meets the wizened, older wizard, you know, who has magic and understands things so much better than she does and, like, trains her in magic and then they fall in love and eventually he de-virginizes her with his penis. Uh, So I don't love that. So it is nice that fair or fairy, I don't know how to say her name. And also, why would they call her fairy if she's fighting? It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, maybe her name's fair. I'm going to call her fair. I like that she's not a virgin. I like that she's at least had sex with a boy multiple times and that she enjoys it and that she doesn't feel guilty about it. I think that's a very positive message. Um, like consensual sex between to, I guess, almost adults. I don't know. I don't love the idea of teens having sex, but, like, that's just me. I, I, I don't like the idea of a virgin having magic even more than that. <laughs> How did we get here? Okay. She kills the wolf with the silver arrow and trudges it home, skins it, sells the pelt. Yay, everybody's happier And then another wolf-like thing that can talk shows up in their home and demands that she come with him because she's killed his friend. And according to the treaty, which is this law, 
that got wrapped up in the whole like separation thing when they ended the human slavery between the fairies and the border was created. There was a treaty and like if a human ever kills a fairy, then they owe their life to like that fairy's descendants or something. Like the human has, he explains that the human has to come live with him. Look. It was at this point that I realized I'd made a mistake. And 10, maybe 15% of the way through this book, I should have just stopped reading. I was like, all right, it's a Beauty and the Beast retelling with fairies. That's fine that it exists. And I'm so happy that it's very popular because it is, it's a popular, it's a series. It's a series. So great, awesome, not for me. And I should have just stopped and I thought, no, this is a very popular book. There's got to be something here. So I kept reading. Of course, her father gives her up in a heartbeat and her sisters are like, oh, no, don't go. And she goes with this very scary wolf person who then turns into a more human looking person but who has this like animal metal mask on like the, not the part of the face, like not the COVID part of the face, but the upper half. It's like, have you ever seen Squid Game and the creepy guys who come to watch the game? Um, it's like that kind of a mask where it's like a masquerade ball mask. It's very, it, but it's ornate and it's made out of like precious metal, like gold or something. So she can't see his whole face, but she knows he's hot because he's got a hot body and a hot lower half of the face. And this just sets the tone. And I should have known at this point. I should have known. And I just didn't turn away. So she's brought back to his mansion. He's a high lord. He's a high fae. So he's like lord of the manor. Um, and she's his prisoner. That is what she is. That is what you call it. When you are not allowed to leave, or if you are allowed to leave, which he made clear to her, but you can only stay in the fairy land and all the other fairies want to kill you. It's not a real choice. So she's not a guest. <laughs> she's a prisoner. And all the nice meals and nice clothes and seeming Run a run of the you know land, run of the manor uh, stuff d doesn't does not change the fact that she's a prisoner. Okay, so we have her a prisoner, and him the person who imprisoned her, and then this turns into a love story, and uh, this feels like as good a place as any to just kind of deconstruct what's happened so far. I just don't understand why this is a thing. Why are we still writing stories about women being imprisoned and falling in love with their captors? I get that they're hot. Love that. You know, I get that they've got a body, adi, adi. Love it. But... <laughs> This is, like, very problematic. I cannot get on board with this. And, I, and, I, and it is so obvious. It, obvious isn't the word. It's tropey. It's a trope. 
and it, it because it all starts, you know, she hates him and they fight and she wants her own way because she's headstrong. You know, she hunts with arrows. OK, but she's also got a softer side because she paints. OK, she's artistic, as all women in stories should be. So he gets her paints and I guess that's like the thing. And he saves her. Oh, my God. This woman almost dies multiple times and he saves her every time. And I just can't with that story. Like physically picks her up and saves her. This woman who is amazing with an arrow, by the way, who is combat trained pretty much because of poverty, I guess. I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but you know, she disobeys and puts herself in danger. He rescues her. She does it again. He rescues her. She, through no fault of her own, no, actually, she's told not to go to a place. She goes there. He rescues her after she's almost raped. Good times. Love that as a plot point, she said sarcastically. So I'm 60% of the way through, and this is where we're at. They have had sex in a very, I mean, it's like two and a half page sex, which is fine. I Again, yay sex, but she's having sex with her captor, with the dude that has, I mean, do you see what I'm saying here? Like, do you, the, the cringiness of it all. And also, it's like that very storybooky sex scene where it's like, oh, God, how do I explain this? How do I, because I'm like not, not quite beyond the point where I where I'm not like un, not uncomfortable when there's a sex scene in a book, but where I'm like just very aware that it's it's a sex scene. And but I've read enough of them now to know like when I'm reading a good one and when I'm reading a very generic one, a very like saccharine is is the word I want to use it's very saccharine it's sugary sweet sex scene and again fine but like could it not be between these a prisoner and her captor like really that's what it comes down to and a person who's used like abusive language to her and said been mean to her and she's been mean to him and they've you know it's like you can't just it's the old trope of like hating someone until you love them and when you do the work on that it's glorious because when you do the work it's called a Jane Austen novel it's called Pride and Prejudice and it's about misunderstandings and jumping to conclusions and not seeing a person for what they really are and this is probably what this was supposed to be and it's just not landing for me can we talk about the fact that she's in a land full of fairies and her name as written looks like fairy why why confuse us like this why was that a choice can we talk about the fact that there's a ritual and we're led to believe there's a lot of talk about this ritual that, that the High Lord has to perform, and it sounds like he's just going to, like, 
murder a bunch of people in a bloodlust, but it's not that. It's a mating ritual. He chooses another fairy, and he fucks her good. And what I mean by that is it's not kind. And, of course, we don't get a two-and-a-half-pager on that. And I don't even know that that's something I want. I'm just saying. They, they kind of just like, it's like an animalistic thing takes over and it's just for the right. Anyway, it's after this that Fairy realizes that she likes this fairy because she's jealous that he had sex with another fairy. And then he finds out that she's had sex with like one guy a few times and he is like angry. Like they're each angry about this and it's like, wow. Wow, you're setting us back quite quite a, a number of decades in this archaic view of what sex is and what human people are, or fairy people as well. It's just so wild to me that we are building romances on this still. And I don't know why I keep reading this book thinking I'm going to get something that I'm not getting now and it's going to change the way that I view what I have to this point read. And it's going to make me like this girl who is, I know, supposed to be giving the impression that she's a strong, independent woman. She breaks the rules. She disobeys the high lord, her captor. She can use a bow and arrow, but she also paints. She's artistic. I hate it. I hate this book. And so I'm thinking maybe it's not about the book. Maybe the book is not the problem, and I'm projecting something else about it. And that's why I keep reading it. Because, well, number one, projection. And trust me, it's strong with this one. <laughs> it's a real, it's like a superpower I have. And secondly, I can't leave a Goods, Goodreads review if I haven't read the full book because I feel like people who leave like a three, a two, three, or even a four-star review on a book and they're like, couldn't finish it. It's like, well, then don't review it because you didn't get the full picture. You made a judgment call and that's totally cool and your time is precious, so don't waste it on a book you're not enjoying. But you also can't review a book. Or if you do review a book, that you didn't finish, you need to give it five stars because you don't know. You don't know. Could be amazing in the end. And then you're like, holy shit, I was wrong. A Confederacy of Dunces. I think it's John Kennedy Toole that wrote A Confederacy of Dunces. Hold on. A Confederacy. Don't stop at a Confederacy. There it is. John Kennedy Toole. Haha, I did remember. Okay. Confederacy of Dunces is a prime example of this kind of book. 75% of the way through, I was like, what the fuck am I reading? This makes no, it's chaos. It's chaos and I'm not into it. And then the last 25% of that book, it's one of the best books I've ever read. It's amazing. It is so, it's wild how it all tie, it, it's just so good. And it's funny, it is actually, when you, when you can trust the author that they know what they're doing, you realize how good it is. And it's just, I haven't been given any reason to trust this author. 
And maybe I will, maybe I will soon, I hope. And, and then that's why I keep reading. But I just need this out there in case I stop reading it. And this is the only time I get to talk about it because I don't know anybody else who's reading this and I don't necessarily want to spoil it for someone. And, you know, like I just did for all of you. Uh, but hopefully you stopped listening if you didn't. And it's not spoiling it. Honestly, you knew what was going to happen. If you're reading this book, within the first 10 minutes, you know what's going to happen. As soon as that Wolfman fairy shows up, you're like, okay, she's going with him to a forbidden land. And also they're going to fall in love, but it's going to be super fucked up. And then they're going to have sex. And then we don't know what happens after that, because I think that's the most recent thing that I read. So maybe this all turns around. There's also, so, so he wears this mask, right? <sighs> this is a stretch. This is a stretch for me. And now I feel like I'm just being a bitch, but it's, it's like a metaphor for him being a beast, right? That he's in disguise. These, there's this thing called the blight that's affecting the fairyland. And it's um, causing all kinds of problems, kind of vague problems. Fairies who belong to other courts and are not supposed to be, or like dangerous fairies who aren't supposed to be crossing into his court or crossing into his court, which is why the girl fair or fairy keeps getting in trouble because these nefarious magical creatures are coming in and like trying to kill her and eat her. And, and it's because of the blight, which we don't quite understand what it is. And there's also this woman who's actually the most interesting character, but we have not met her yet. They just talk about her in a way that gives you the distinct impression that she's very dangerous. Um, but of course, we don't get to meet the super interesting villain yet. And we're 60% of the way through. Like, where, am I, where are her sex scenes? I don't know. Anyway, still waiting on that. But the blight is the reason why none of the fairies from this High Lord's court, can they, none of them can take their masks off. No one who works there in the castle or the manor or whatever can take these masquerade masks off like they've been enchanted in a way. You know, like the prince in Beauty and the Beast was cursed by, um, well, a... Uh, I think a uh, in the original story, it's a it's a like a witch or a fairy that tries to seduce him, and he's like not into it, and so she curses him. But I think in the uh, Disney version, it's an um, an enchantress, a beautiful enchantress who disguised herself as an old crone, uh, I guess for a TV role. No, so she can get an Oscar. No, she disguises herself as an old crone because she knows the prince is a selfish son, selfish son of a bitch and she curses him when when he doesn't like give her shelter. He turns her away because he's like, "Ew, you're gross and old." Well, and then he becomes a beast himself and somehow through that he becomes like an amazing great person, but if you have to be cursed with like an affliction to become an amazing great person, then like, mm, are you? And also, for the purposes of this book and this story, why? Why are we choosing a masquerade ball mask 
for this. It's like the visual of it is very difficult to get past for me. And it's just choices the author has made. And this is a very successful, again, very popular book series, very successful author and good for her. I love reading fiction written by women for women. I love it. I just don't love this book. I don't love that this, um, that the object of our heroine's affection is ostensibly a rich guy with a huge, big old house who has a lot of power and is ancient. He's much, much, much older than her. And she's like 17. And he also kills a lot. He comes home covered in blood a lot. And like ostensibly these are evil beings or whatever, but he's violent. I just don't love it. I don't love it. And I keep thinking there's a twist coming. There's a twist coming. She's being lied to. He's being kind to her because he has an ulterior motive. You know, and the beast and beauty and the beast absolutely had an ulterior motive in order to break the curse. He needed this girl to fall in love with him. And all of his appliances were helping with that to, convince this girl to fall in love with him which you know uh according to disney is romantic according to me is manipulation <laughs> but why split hairs also very popular fairy tale very popular movie i loved beauty and the beast growing up i loved the story i thought it was the story of a girl with a beautiful singing voice who had to go to a mansion and then genuinely just fell in love with someone for their personality instead of the way they looked. And that's just not that story at all. And it's not this story at all. And that's what's frustrating me. And uh, as much time as I have spent reading this book and rolling my eyes and sighing out loud, now I've spent even more time talking about it. And then when I'm done here, inevitably, I will cozy up in my reading chair and continue reading it. And I will get all the way to the end because I want to leave a good re a good reads review. And I just, I want to leave a good one. I want this to be good. I want this to be a story that totally redeems itself. I want her to confederacy of dunces her way through this, this writer, this character. And I just don't see that happening. And it's making me so irritated. So damn irritated. So he bites her. He bites her at one point, not during the sex scene, but during one of the many almost sex scenes, you know what I'm talking about? The ones where you're like, oh God, is this it? Are they going to fuck? Anyway, in, in the mating ritual craze, the animalistic uh, phase of the whatever fire night that's going on, he finds her because, of course, she was told to stay in her room, and she doesn't because she's, she's a strong-willed uh, female. She comes out, and he's like, you know, all hyped up because he just had sex with a fairy, so, of course, you know. And he bites her shoulder and leaves a mark. And this is supposed to be romantic. 
I am not delighted. And the more I talk about it, the less delighted I am. Anyway, this has been fun for me. And if you have stuck around, hi. <laughs> we should be friends because because <laughs> uh, I think we would get it along quite nicely. And really, all of this was just to weed out the people I don't need to be associating myself with. So thanks for sticking around. Uh, slip into my DMs. Let's have lunch. Uh, we will be back next week with a brand new episode, full length of Breast Cancer is Boring. We have got the Queer Money podcast guys, the Debt Free guys, John and David. They are going to help me with some very complicated money matters. And so I hope that you will listen to that. And until then, don't keep reading books you're not enjoying. Life is short, and we don't even know how short. I'm going to get cancer tomorrow, and this is the last book I read before dying of cancer? Yeah, I think not. 